I'm just gonna go straight into recording. Okay. Alright. Arch, look at this. This episode. This is the one I was excited to talk about, honestly. Okay. Out of all of them, this is the one I'm most excited to talk about. Let's do this. Okay, uh, recording in three, two. When the spawn is What up, bruh? What up, bruh? And welcome to Brown Meets World. What is Brown Meets World? Your boy Meets World Fancast. This is episode 53. I'm Siege. And I'm Tony Curtis. <laughs> this episode. This episode. Um, I have a lot to say. Mm. I think that this episode is the most relevant. 100%. Uh, I, I mean, you know, last episode I was talking about them exploring ethics and, like, what to do when there's not an easy right or wrong answer. And this episode is just the, the that to ten. I will say that this episode literally at one point in time took my breath away. I was like, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> and it's, again, it's like, uh, let's just get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, tell me about it. Tell me about it. This is Season 3, Episode 7, Truth and Consequences. Mm. And these truths, they come in with some consequences. Ain't they, though? Corey and Sean soil Janitor Bud's reputation when they produce a videotaped report on time clock fraud for a media arts class project. But the result is not what they planned. Mr. Feeney must now fire Janitor Bud, a move that makes Corey and Sean unpopular with the rest of the student body. Um, Yeah. <laughs> where do you where do you want to start with this? So let's start right at the top. Okay. Let's start with first of all a little a little roll call. Only important because I'm going to bring out Bertha von Bulow. The, so the, that is our lunch lady. Yep. <laughs> and of course, only because they uh, brought her up, do I want to recognize her. Uh, also, there's I believe his name's Nate. There's the kid that um, everyone keeps mocking, and then he also is running the cards for Tavanga. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that kid. But then there's Janitor Bud, yeah. um, who you mentioned a while ago. The moment Janitor Bud came on screen, you were like, he will be important. Yeah. And this is the payoff of the introduction of Janitor Bud. 100%. And when I say payoff, I am like, wow. So you've. You have no recollection of this episode prior to seeing I it now? I did not remember this episode at all. Wow. I didn't remember okay. it in, like, one bit. I had no idea what we were doing. For It was just another episode. I remember the gist of it, but there were parts of this episode that I was like, wow. Bruh moment right here. I mean... Absolutely. So, all right. So, let's get into it. So, what happens in the episode is the boys have a school project for Eli's media class. Yes, and they apparently to, they're going to go on broadcast. I, I assume there's some kind of situation. With there's them. a public access broadcast that they're going to be able to put on at the end of the week. And Sean and Corey have to find a news story, an exciting, attention-grabbing news story um, for the broadcast that will happen. Exactly. And, like, Topanga even kind of comments on it. And, like, we're seeing that, like, what they do originally, which is about Jello, is not exciting. Um, I will say that, so... What they do is they interview the cafeteria lady, Bertha, I think yeah. is her name. Um, but she's Russian. And they say that her signature dish is uh, red square jello. Yeah, I, I thought that, that was really funny. Because yeah, as a it. kid, that went entirely over my head. Of course, head. yeah, same. And um, But from there, we see 
Joey show up. And that was so weird to me because Joey just kind of shows up and he's hawking tires and tube socks. And it's this weird thing. And I'm like, oh, we're going to have this Joey subplot is where my mind went. But instead, they were like, Corey says, if we follow Joey, we'll find our story. Yeah. And then immediately after this, we get into something that I can't remember now. I think it's been like two episodes. But I mentioned that every news cycle is live on television for some reason. And the broadcast that the students are doing is going out live. Eli has not watched any of the segments. Well, uh, technically, Sean and Corey were supposed to have their segment done at the beginning of the week. But because they had to redo it, Eli didn't get the chance to rewatch it. And he decided to air it anyway. And that is... Alright, so first of all, immediately, Feeney goes, you are broadcasting and you haven't seen all of these. And Eli's like, they're good kids. They've given me no problems. And the audience is like, you mean what? What do you mean you have not watched these? These are... He says, these are high school students. Where do you think you are? There's there's (laughs) also, like, a really funny uh, subplot that they're positioned on PBS right after this origami woman who... Which I do love for some reason. ...who gets pulled up into, like, the shape of, like, a boat, and Sean just keeps having this great comment of, ain't nothing wrong with that. I just thought that was funny. I was like, okay, where are you even going with that? Like, what can you do? You don't even know what to do with a woman who can bend that way. So (laughs) they have Topanga hosting this news. I do uh, love Topanga being Katie Couric. 100%. And them being, like... It's very weird to me while this recording is going on because Topanga, not Topanga, Alan and Amy are there. There's no reason for, for them reason. to be there. I'm it's like, is it, sa- yeah, it was like, is it Saturday? Is it, like, why are you all here? Yeah. This is literally them doing a work assignment. There's no real reason. Also, Corey isn't even the one on camera right now. He is handing in his assignment. Last minute. Last minute. Um, were there any other parents there? No, that's my whole thing. Super weird. It's so weird that they were there. But either way, um, Eli has this connection. He got them on air. He is airing Corey and Sean's report without watching it. All they know is that it's about Janitor Bud. Exactly. And even with that, it could be anything. And maybe that just seems like a safe, like, oh, we're just going to profile the school janitor. Like, it doesn't sound like anything that should be controversial. As a matter of fact, I think Feeney's like, he's not going to do his magic tricks or anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like... They, they assume it's going to be boring. But then we watch the news clip. And I have to say, watching this news clip, I was like, oh, my God. Because you are on new public access. This is live. This has gone out. And I was like, they legit don't know the consequences of their actions. They film Janitor Bud leaving at 2.30, doing a... 2.55. 2.55. They show him on video leaving um, after checking his punch card to see if there was money behind it. He leaves. They do a close-up of the clock so they know the time. At 5 o'clock, in comes Joey. He takes a $5 bill from behind the clock out, and then he punches out for for Bud. Exactly. So, uh, essentially, Janitor Bud is supposed to leave. He gets paid until 5 o'clock. And he leaves every day at 255 35 minutes before the students themselves leave. Yeah. So he was really, really pushing it. Um, and then he has Frankie, not Frankie, he has, and then he has Joey um, come in and clock him out. And that's why Joey has kind of like, it's also implied that this is, this is why Joey's able to 
had his tube sock ring, and he just kind of is getting sure. all this stuff because the school is unsupervised, basically, from 2.55 until 5 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. And, um, yeah, what was your reaction No, no, to I was just going to say that, you know, I... I remember this episode. So I have to say, I didn't watch it with fresh eyes. So I'm actually more so interested in seeing what you thought about that and how you felt like was, what was the good choice to make? Okay. So let me like, I just, again, I was just so amazed that we did this. Like earlier I was like, Oh, it's time fraud. And I was like, ah, on, on camera. Oh, aired to the city in the school board. to the city, and then you're like, I just immediately was like, there, Finney has no choice. Yeah, this is like he has no choice, and it's so weird because the boys are so proud of their project and they are so happy, and you're like, because technically they did the assignment Eli asked them. To yes, do. and it's so funny because what's what's to me what's amazing about this dilemma is immediately all the. Adults in the room are like, whoa. Uh, um, well, Gore, was this all true? Well, you saw it. Not a dramatization. Not a dramatization. Oh, that's very unfortunate. Why is that? Because now I have the unpleasant task of firing Janet a butt. For them, they're like, we don't understand what the problem is. Like, we just did the assignment, and we did a good job with it. So why? And so I understand that. But then, like, when they're like, Janet Bud's two months away from retiring with his pension. I mean, knife twist. Like, two months away. But Janet Bud's been slacking off at work for forever to go to the racetrack. So is it really Corey's fault? I don't think so. Again, I think... So what's interesting about this is it is a great episode to have and it's a good dilemma because it is something that adults would struggle with yeah and asking children to take on the responsibility of adults is what we're heading into but it's also showing that they are woefully unaware of like how the world works yeah which again this is this show is called boy meets world sure so it's him learning all of these lessons and but to do it in such a public space yeah it's like it's not that he presented this in front of the school of the class this went on air yeah and so many people saw this that as feeny said it's like feeny's hands are tied and you you just watch it knowing that even if feeny wanted to be the most giving person there is nothing he can do because it's again for me i was like oh he left at the students leave at 3 30 and he left at 2.55. Not great, but still kind of... No, dude, you got paid till 5. Yeah. Ugh, that's hard to ignore. You know what I mean? Well, and I also like that when Corey did go to his parents, even they had conflicting advice. Yes. Even they, one parent thought one thing was right, the other part, like, Alan thought it was okay, Amy didn't think it was okay. And so I just thought... I kind of wish we would have saw that a little bit more with like Turner and Eli too, uh, them not really agreeing and them really kind of playing off the fact that like no one knows what the right thing to do in that scenario. Well, I will say that I like the way the adults are handled in this episode because a, the real moral of the story um, that we get to in our feeding Tommy is for Eli and Eli's like, Hey, they're treating Corey terribly. He's just a kid. And Turner's like, exactly. Yeah. And whose fault is that? Who put him in that position? Man, Matthews is really taking a beat. 
Yeah, but he had it coming, don't you think? I mean, the kid's story cost Janet about his job. Yeah, but the whole school's on the little guy's case now. Well, that was the assignment, wasn't it? Right, you yeah. told him to go out and get a hot news story, right? Matthews did. It's the news business. Yeah, but this isn't the news business. This is school. These are kids. Exactly. And Eli understands the weight of his job now. Yeah. And it is kind of great because we've seen Eli, again, kind of just take it casually. Even he, Eli was naive where he was like, they're students. They're good kids. What what could they possibly do that I can't put on air and I have to monitor them? And you're like, it could be anything. Yeah. I remember, I remember you saying that when Eli first got introduced and he has that like one-on-one with Corey about like what to do about Topanga dating Sean or whatever, you were like... You know, I don't feel like this is really fleshed out. I don't feel like I've seen him, you know, experience a learn that defines his character. And so I feel like this is a great answer to that. Absolutely. Because um, we really see him not only tackle an issue, but tackle one of the most ethically ambiguous issues we've had on the show so far where no one knows what the right thing to do is. Absolutely. And I think that it's, it's again, for me, just watching it, I was... I was probably as taken aback as everyone in that room when that when the report was first laced out. And I'm sure, like, I probably didn't have it ingrained in my mind because my mind didn't understand the politics of work. Yeah. So when I watched this as a kid, it was like, oh, they did a report, the janitor did something wrong, they, you know, there were consequences to it. From a kid's perspective, it's very, uh, I mean, it's it's ambiguous, but not so much so because you don't truly understand the weight of responsibility it puts on every other adult who just saw that. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's just like, again, the idea of consequences. And for me, I think this is like one of those things where um, it's kind of like white lies. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you want to teach your kids to be honest and you want them to put their best foot forward, you know, but there are, life's not that black and white. Yeah. And there are muddy areas. There are gray areas. Um, as Alan said last episode, it only gets harder from here on out. And there are definitely something where it's like, should Janitor Bud um, have done what he was doing? No. Should Eli have put that on um, news without reviewing it? Also, no. Well, but it's also that thing, like, even if it didn't air, let's say Eli were to see it, he would then have a responsibility to show Feeney, and Feeney would still have to do the same thing. Absolutely, but here's the thing. It's more contained, is what I'm saying. I think there's something to be said about a truth like this, a very sensitive truth that has so many moving parts and so many ramifications, and again, airing laundry publicly and privately. Yeah. And knowing the difference. Knowing something where it's like, hey, we found this scoop. I think you should watch it. I also think it's just good writing to have the the conflict where no one is wrong. Like when you're really supporting, like, no, this is why this person believes this, this is why this person believes that, and no one is wrong. It's just conflicting. Um, I think it's just really interesting storytelling. And I think it's it's one of the most sophisticated episodes we've seen um, of the show as far as writing goes. Also, it's not even like... What the show does even better is, A, Jennifer Bud is, Bud is bribing a student yes. to help him. Five dollars. Not a lot, Joey. Yeah, but still, I mean, like, he's bribing someone 
to help him commit time fraud. Yeah. So again, it's not even like he's coming back. I thought like later on he's, he's, he would come back and like he's check leaving work out. early, committing time fraud, bribing a child so he can leave and go gamble. This man don't deserve shit. Ex- I'm sorry. Well, so oh, oh, so let's have this discussion because I I think that I think that a including Joey in on it is definitely wrong. Also, what I like about this episode is when Joey comes in and he's like, do you know where that man goes? No, it's a very way that you're like, Corey assumes, the audience assumes, we're assuming we're going to get this sob story. We're going to get, that guy goes to feed the homeless every afternoon. And no, he's going out to gamble. And I like that the writer's like, no, it's not that he's a saint. A saint or this is some like, sob story and he has a a wife who needs diabetes medicine and the pharmacy closes early like it's none of those things this is just a murky situation that an adult adult made a decision and a kid witnessed but the kid blew up the adult spot publicly and as other adults there are consequences to all of that you're you're Corey. What do you do in a scenario? All right. So actually, before we even get into that, I wanted to know what's your position on this, because it seems like you're like janitor bud being fired. Good done. Um, I understand that it's not just him being fired. It's the idea that his entire retirement will be taken away from him, like his entire livelihood, his pension, his pension. So like for that, I can understand why it's such a heavier decision to make. But at the same time, I think that if Janitor Bud was Janitor Andre, that same sympathy wouldn't be shown. So for that reason, I'm like, mm, I no. So you're not sympathetic because if he was black, it wouldn't. The sympathy shouldn't be. I don't think. Be shown. I don't think the sympathy would be the same if he were, um, yeah, a person of color. I don't see. I disagree, and I think that's because the story of Janitor Bud is that it's not just that he's two months away, it's that he has been a staple of the school. He establishes that him and Feeney have a history. Um, not not the life-saving part, but he's just, he's been there. Yeah. He's probably, if you have a pension, you've been at this school for a while. So you think you would, you would protect him? Well, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that, in my mind, this was someone who probably, in all honesty, spent years being... A1, and he has two months left. It's kind of like someone who um, put in their two weeks notice. Yeah, your mind's kind of checked out. And do I think it's right? No. Do I think that it deserves all the time that he has spent being the janitor at this school and, as he said, having ammonia in his blood, literally? Yeah. (laughs) I think that to negate all of that would would be reckless, in my mind. No, I'm not saying that he wasn't reckless by putting it on the line, but I just think that I'm looking at someone who literally is in their two weeks notice. Well, I think we also saw the strength and the importance of Feeney, because Feeney had an impossible situation that he found a solution for by hiring Janitor Bud to be his assistant, which is something we saw at the beginning of the episode. It was a callback. It wasn't this thing that came out of nowhere. Feeney's auditioning assistants, and, and the fact that he was able to make a few phone calls, I'm assuming, to get but this position just for the two months. Yeah. Um, I think it just shows the genius, which is Mr. Feeney. Absolutely. And that was another thing. Like I do like 
there's something about Corey's idea of Feeney you also brought up in here. Where Corey's like, he's not going to fire him. Feeney's, like, Feeney's understanding. Feeney looks at the bigger picture. And then when he sees Feeney fire him, he's like, oh, shit. My actions had real consequences. Yeah. Um, and then, same thing, when Eli and uh, Corey go into Feeney's office, and Feeney's like, look, you broadcast this in front of the entire school board. I had to fire him as a janitor. Yeah. But I also feel like he does not deserve to lose his entire pension, so I hired him, and he will work those last two months in a different position sure. with different responsibilities. And I do think that that, is, that was the best-case scenario. Now, black, white, young, old, whatever, in my opinion, I am someone who I've had this happen and I've had friends that have had this happen where you get fired over kind of like a technicality or a a lapse in judgment. And it's always hard because as a professional, I do go back to it was against the rules. I'm not saying that you don't deserve sympathy. I'm saying you put yourself in a position to where it's hard to fight for you because of that decision. You know what I mean? It's like you put yourself and you put everyone else who answers for you in a position. And if it's their job or your job, in all honesty, it just makes sense that you have to go. You're the one person who can be eliminated from this equation. Yeah. And I've been fired before, and I remember when I did get fired, I was like, no, this was something that, this was a mistake that someone should be fired for. Yeah. I am in that position. That person is me. Part of my job was being that responsible individual. So it makes sense. It's right there. There's yeah. like a direct line. And I've just seen it happen. So I understand, but... Again, do you deserve sympathy? Yes. And if there is a, another way of... Because, as a matter of fact, the company that I got fired for, they just hired me on as a freelancer afterwards. Yeah. Because they were like, we cannot employ you <laughs> anymore in the position that you were in. However, you took responsibility and you have a history with this company. So we will continue to work with you. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I think Feeney made the right uh, compromise. Um, and I'm just glad that, I'm glad that it worked out, but I also think the fact that if it didn't get wrapped up in the, in the shiny bow, it would have made for maybe a stronger episode. Um, possibly. Yeah. Like just for Corey, they would kind of just have to sit with it. Like, don't get me wrong. I think this episode's great. I'm just kind of picking it apart right now, but I think it would have been interesting to see it not get so easily worked out and for there really just to be this ethical ambiguousness that Corey's just left with where there wasn't the best route to take like there was no good choice there was no result yeah there was no result so I think that would have been interesting to see I also like that we see Eli this truth and consequences individual someone who's always telling the kids to seek the truth dig deeper that's kind of like what he comes in and he's like hey find the real story here I love that the show is like, but we also need to show the consequences of the truth. And, you know, it's like... It's almost as if Eli himself was experiencing the consequences of his pursuit, like his, you know, uh, preaching of truth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's kind of being a parent and all this other stuff, but it's not 
just about, I say this all the time when it comes to freedom of speech or people who are like, I'm just speaking my mind. It's like, even though you have the right to say whatever you want to say, you also are entitled to those consequences. You know what I mean? It's just like a lot of people only focus on, I can say whatever I want to say. Yeah, but other people have the right to react to whatever what was, yeah, exactly. was said. And in the real world, that's how these things go. Uh, and I really, really love that this episode brought it there. I just kind of wish that they had kind of explored that part. That it's not just the fact that Corey told the truth that's the problem. It's the fact that he told the truth in a way that required... Sorry, that truth has consequences. Yeah. Um, even if they're not for you. Sure. And they kind of allude to that where he's like, do you think you did a good job? Yes. Did you like your piece? Yes. Well, then, that's. are you sad that he got hurt? Yes. Okay, that's journalism. And it's like, that's true, but I think what you, need, what you were trying to say is sometimes telling the truth comes with consequences. Well, I think it's also important, like, kind of similar to the last episode we did where... You know, having more information changes your perspective. Like, Absolutely. Once Topanga in the last episode learned about Sean, like what his pig meant to him, she was able to change her perspective of Sean's, you know, motivation and change how she approached the situation. In the same way, it's like Corey got a piece of information that changed his perception of Janitor Bud, but because he didn't have the whole story of how it would affect everyone else he was left with these consequences of, of telling the truth, really, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's so complicated, but so um, well done um, that I just really give this episode, this, the creators a lot of props for this episode. Absolutely. I will say, so it's interesting. I wanted to be a journalist. When I, like okay. In high school, that's what I wanted to do. And one of the reasons why I quit was I realized that journalism was about telling someone else's story. And sometimes against their will. Mm-hmm. And that was, for me, that was a moral line that I wasn't comfortable with. Yeah, I wasn't comfortable being responsible for telling someone else's truth. Sure. And um, that's essentially what happens here. And I just really liked that they kind of showed that that's even part of journalism. Yeah. Um, and well, it's a part idea. of life without, there is, I mean, without... Truth will bequeath consequence. Always. Absolutely. So. I also love, like, um, in this part, um, I think, I forgot who says it, but Corey says something like, there isn't always a right and wrong answer, a clear right and wrong answer. And Corey says, I'm a kid. I want it both ways. Yeah. And Eli's like, guess what? I'm going to give you, so do most adults. <laughs> like, yeah. like, we all want it to be simple and easy and clear cut, but this is just not the real world. Sure. And I think Corey's frustration with that is super reminiscent of just, I think, the first time I was in a situation of just like, oh, I don't know what the right choice would have been. And just the frustration of, I wish there was just an easy path here. Absolutely. Well, he's also, like, remember, he's ostracized and yeah. by the students. Uh, he's getting death threats from the cafeteria woman. Exactly. And it's just that... Again, everyone else only an, sees him. We have an even evil Russian. Just <laughs> to point that out. Uh, again, timely, very yeah, timely. Um, also, I just want to say, Turner, cute, I like it. But who was really doing it for me was tall guy with hat. Um, oh, because when Corey's like, um, 
something about bigger and better. I don't remember what it was, but I do remember a really tall, hot guy who I am hoping is a senior, and <laughs> at least I can comment on this. But yeah, he had my interest. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So also, speaking of holding interest, um, something we kind of do with this camera before we get to the main story. I was hoping you would bring this up because uh, it's my yeah. bra moment. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is... So do you want to hold it? Do yeah, you if you can hold it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, just look forward to that. But let's talk about our B-plot, which is Eric uh, signing up for this psychological study. I thought this was a big bucket of who cares. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think it adds to Corey's episode at all. Like, the best B-story mimics the themes of the A-story. And this one was just Or like, can participate in some way. Yeah. Like, even when uh, a few weeks ago we had Eric... And Feeny and culture, you know, and something that wasn't it didn't mirror the A storyline, but it still added to Eric and Feeny as characters. This added nothing to Eric's character. All it showed was just that he is brain dead when he sleeps. <laughs> well, he's brain dead. Also, they were like, "You're the most content." Um, what did they say? Content without care, individual. And I was like, "Yeah, middle class white dude." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> were you surprised? <laughs> Although I also was like, um, is it plugged in? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> even the rat had like, like it was just completely different. Whereas Eric, even when he was awake, there was no brain. Eric has a classic example of being sitcom stupid in this episode where uh, they're like, hey, Eric, we want to invite you back for more research. And he's like, well, I take my rate that you're paying me today, cut it in half, then and double it. it. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God, this is the stupidest shit. Absolutely. <laughs> um, also... They just, even with this B storyline, they seem to put in half effort. The set is just Turner's classroom with a sign on the door that says neurological study. Yeah, yeah. They don't really explain what she's doing there. Why are you at high school? Yeah, it's interesting that they can build a chem lab for like two seconds for an episode, but they can't build a nurse room. Like, yeah. what's, what is this? Again, or have Eric do it off campus. Yeah. Why are you in the school? And again, Feeney doesn't address it at all. It's yeah. so weird. It's super weird. Um, the Eric thing, however, did remind me, before we start to wrap up, I did not like Corey's reasonings for thinking he was right. And for me, Corey, as someone who a few episodes ago was willing to lie about stopping a fire and, you know, just take the glory of that, he is so judgmental of Janitor Bud. Yeah, you're and right. for me, it's, have, a, it's kind know. of like a doubling down on, oh, I was really proud of what I did. I'm not wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. And for me, it's not that Corey's wrong in being like, well, he actually did break these rules. And it's just, he seems to be very unsympathetic. Well, I will say that the one of the, the things that I can still criticize about the show, at least for this season, is that... You know, there's there's so many times where the kids learn an episode more than... I mean, learn a, a lesson more than once. So, like, it's like a, two episodes ago they learned a lesson, and now they're kind of having to learn a similar lesson this episode. Um, you're right, Corey does have a revelation as far as, like, what lying is and the, the duality of it and how hard it is to get wrapped up in a lie. And that he shows none of that sympathy to Janitor Bud in this episode. So, you're right, it would have been nice for Corey to have a more of a human moment, maybe after it all died down, like, instead of having having Sean and his parents tell him how conflicting this is, for him to just be like, you know what, separate from how the world is telling me how I should feel, I'm curious about how I actually feel about this and him having a moment. 
Well, I mean, I think they kind of do that when he's like, do you think what I did was wrong? And Eli's like, I didn't say that. And then yeah. he's like, do you think what I did right? I didn't say that either. Um, I like that. I'm just like, Corey, for me, and you guys hear us talk about this all the time, it's just straight white maleness all around. It's yeah. like, you were literally, like, you didn't do your homework assignment, and you got a second chance. How many second chances <laughs> are Sean and Corey given Eric, constantly. Hey, you, that paper due last year. I want it now. Why? F. Like, exactly. They re- I get what I'm saying is, if you want to say, "Hey, you broke rules," th- like you shouldn't. Have, it's just it's so how people think, especially nowadays with like um, uh, undocumented workers and like all this other stuff. It's just people are like, "Oh, well, if you didn't want to do the time, you shouldn't do the crime." And it's just like, "Oh, really?" So it's just that blank and that clear yeah. cut. When you yourself have a history of asking for leniency, I don't know. That was really where it brought me back. Sure, to. yeah, yeah, I get that. Okay, so let's go to our bra moment. My bra moment <laughs> uh, is the moment that Corey and Sean have to uh, redo their original video assignment. Uh, Corey shows up to Sean's, where Sean takes the video camera, he runs over to the window, and Corey's like, what is it? We need to look for a story. Like, what do you got? A woman dressed in a a towel, dancing in a towel? And he looks over, and there's a woman dancing in a towel across the street from Sean's apartment, and they're filming it. They're filming it. A stranger. Yeah. In her apartment. Absolutely. In a towel. Again, if we want to talk about consequences. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyone else finds out about that tape, you're going to jail. It's funny how that was just seen as like a haha joke and not the thing they should learn of serious consequence from. Well, actually, so I like what Turner says because Turner comes in and he's like, first of all, Turner comes in and Sean has been like, you can set a clock to it. Yeah. It would be 530 on the dot. She does this every day. The moment Turner walks into the door, he sees both boys at the window with a camera. He's like, oh, must be 5.30. Which tells us that Turner's also aware that she does yep. this. And has done nothing to stop Sean from being at the window at 5.30. Well, what can he do? I mean... No. You can pull the sh- blinds. You can say... She can pull her blinds. Well, first of all, <laughs> she has the freedom to dance in her apartment... Remember, not knowing that she's being watched. Well, she, he has the freedom to glance out his window. All I'm saying is that the moment you involve a video camera, it becomes something else. My whole thing is, you know, you know that you are violating someone's privacy. Yeah, you understand that because I guarantee you, if she turned around, he would duck immediately. Yeah, you know what I mean. So he knows that he's violating her privacy, and glancing out of your window, forgetting yada yada that, fine. You invited a friend over to the window to watch this very specific thing. Again, I have a problem with that. Um, I will say that was very reminiscent of the uh, contest episode of Seinfeld where Jerry and... Um, yeah, uh, uh, all of them. Yeah, they just stare at the window at this woman and then Kramer leaves, jacks off, comes back with $20 yeah. or whatever. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Well, I like what... A, I like that they gave Turner the sentence of exploding someone's body is not news. Yeah, I love that. And I like that he was like... You know, he kind of pulls the boys away from the window. Uh, he also... He's like, she dropped the towel. I was like, you didn't have to tell them that. Yep. <laughs> that was that was all you, sir. And Sean pulls out the camera so quick. <laughs> but then also, A, this is very like what I said last week of using, like, pre-internet porn days of, like, oh, like, I have to record this because there's no 
internet porn. Yeah. Whereas, like, I'm not saying that no boys would be turned on by it now, but I just feel like it wouldn't be as big of a thing. And then also, I love, we get a lot of references to the modern news cycle, and your bra kind of ties in with my bra, which is where Turner's like, bodies, someone's body is not news. Immediately they show uh, the actual news report being like, breast implants! Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And using people's bodies for, and this is right around when CNN is getting its big rise. Yeah. So it's, it's starting to show the turn of the tide of news channels themselves. And I think that's really interesting because you and I live in the hellish dystopia that is 24-hour news cycle and fake news and all this other stuff. So it's really crazy to see the origins. Um, One thing I wanted to point out was that Corey really latches on to the idea of being a reporter quite easily. Like, I think he really digs it. And this goes to a point, and I said it in a different episode, and I don't remember which one it is, so my apologies. But definitely going forward, I want you to see how often... Corey gets really into a project that involves him filming something or him using a camera. I felt like there was an episode last season, but I can't remember it where he got really into it. But there's definitely an episode with uh, Sean's half-brother. There's definitely an episode where, you know, there's like the real world kind of thing they do in college where Corey has a video project that he's like... We've seen this a few times, like once a season. It's almost like this is his version of Eric's Weatherman is reporting and being a video maker. Which is so crazy to me because, again, spoilers, sorry, but for future seasons, Sean's the one with the, who becomes a photographer. Yeah. And Corey's a teacher. And maybe it's like that whole thing of us losing our childhood interests, but it's something that it just seems they're constantly setting up Corey as being this visual storyteller. Yeah. And they never play it out. And they always show Sean as someone who would be great to be in a position of power or work in politics or someone who works with a very complicated system or even like a social worker. But instead, we get him as this vagabond type person. And maybe that's more true to life. I don't don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, uh, do you have a feeny Tommy? Um, Yeah, my feeny Tommy is that there isn't always the right answer. I just thought that that was a lesson that um, is probably the most relatable as an adult um that we've come across in a while it's just that yeah some shit time shit's just messy and there's not a clear way to go about something um yeah that's my that's my thing you tell me completely agree um my other one would be a turner taught me which is again it's just more so turner's idea of these are kids yeah and you put them out in the world without really understanding the responsibility you laid at their feet and i love that he does it with his friend in such a casual way there's no lecture to Eli. It's just kind of like he has his friend and his friend's understanding, and he's like, yeah, man. Okay, so what grade are you giving this episode? I'm giving it an A. While I found the B storyline to be pointless, I thought the (laughs) A storyline was strong enough, it was complex enough. Um, I think it's some of the best storytelling we've seen on the show, and so I, I, even though the B storyline, like I said, is so pointless and useless, um, the the A story makes it up for me. So I say A. Absolutely. I'm with you. A storyline. This is a solid episode. I literally... When you you bring in something like time theft into a kid's show and moral ambiguity, I'm like... And you do it in a way that's just perfectly done for 90s television, I'm here for it. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Okay, homework. Um, 
I uh, I have to be honest, I don't know how uh, many people will want to pursue my homework for this week, <laughs> um, but I've been listening to 70s pop music ever since watching the movie Now and Then on Netflix or whatever, um, and so my homework is going to be The Partridge Family's Greatest Hits. Oh my god. I know this is kind of random, but The Partridge Family, to me, is one of those shows that I used to watch on, like... Packs? Like, like, yeah, yeah like, I used to watch it too. Rerun shows, like, like when we were really, really young, the shows that were on syndication were all the like ABC family shows from the seventies. You had Three's Company and Brady Bunch, and you know, uh, I Dream of Jeannie, Bewitched, Bonanza. Uh, These yeah. were the shows that were on when we were like kid kids. Yep. And there was something about the Partridge Family where I was just, I got really interested in the idea of it. And I think it was like a made-for-TV movie about it that I saw. But I just think the music is actually, like, they genuinely have some bops. And so, if you're looking over the Partridge Family discography, I know this is so fucking random, guys. But, um, uh, Meet Me Halfway, um, I Woke Up in Love This Morning, um, I mean, uh, Somebody Who Wants to Be... Somebody, I don't know, these are great songs that I think deserve a second look, so if you're on Spotify, if you're on a streaming service, I definitely wouldn't say buy this shit, um, but definitely take a listen. Absolutely, that's actually really great. I like, that soda pop music is pretty much, uh, I think that's like the foundation of the pop we have now, Yeah, and it is, it's very catchy, it's very good, for, I feel like you and I always watched it in its element, or we heard it like in a movie, or something that signaled a good, carefree time. Yeah. And I have such associations with that. Like, uh, yeah, the monkeys. Totally. And, yeah, you know, like, it's really good music. The also, monkeys who make an appearance in the future episode of Boy Meets World. Absolutely. Bringing it back <laughs> around. Also, Archie and the band have that sugar song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, it's it's a bop. It's a, it's a bop. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Right, I like it. All right, so I'm going to change tone a little bit. Uh, my homework this... Uh, week is uh, season seven of Orange is the New Black. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I chose it specifically because this episode, as I pointed out earlier, Corey is kind of very self-assured of his being right. And kind of like the spirit of a lot of people I see nowadays when it comes to undocumented workers or when it comes to um, marijuana or women or anything, or yeah, anything basically that's kind of touchy. A lot of people are like, "Well, you know, that's just the law. That's just how we are." And it's just like you know that the world is more complicated than this. You know that there are levels. And I, this is the final season of Orange Is the New Black, and that made me reflect on just the impact that this show had. Sure, yeah. Like trans issues were not a really big thing until Orange Is the New Black had uh, Laverne Cox in their first season. It and blew up, yeah. And blew up, but honestly, trans issues in general took a took center stage. It's like we, we, had a, we had a face that we could put to the issues. You know? Absolutely. Same thing with, in all honesty, um, the correlation between um, our own pr- criminal justice system and the prison pipeline, all of that is very much um, a result of this show. And even right now, this season, they're dealing with ICE. And a lot of, you see a lot of people use the whole, well, they shouldn't have come into this country and they shouldn't have done this. Like, it's black and white. But it's really crazy because some people who thought they were born in this country weren't. And other people come for, they come for various reasons. And also, you just see a lot of people 
who are American do worse things yeah. than cross a made-up line yeah. um, and all, like, for their families. And everyone has a story. And I just thought that it kind of, this this uh, homework assignment kind of mirrors the theory of this episode, which is that not everything is black and white. The world itself is is very complicated. And we should um, give that the weight that it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So that is my homework. Any other words? Anything else? Um, no, guys, go watch this episode. If you haven't listen, if you haven't watched this specific episode yet, if you're just listening to us, I would highly recommend yes, going back and watching it. Absolutely agree. Um, so that is our episode. Thank you for listening to Brum Meets World. Remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, all the places that you are listening to us. Uh, just keep doing that and share. Do that too. Um, give us a rating. You can find us on all the platforms at Brum Meets World. That is, and email us at bromeatsworld at gmail.com. You can find me um, on Twitter. Again, just talking about how crazy this world is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or sharing memes to make the world less crazy. Because hmm. uh, I feel like, you know, that's doing a little bit. Part. Yeah, doing my part. <laughs> that is Extra Siege. That's X-T-R-A-C-E-E-J. Uh, Tony T. You can find me at a braver me at dot braver dot me on Instagram. And you know what? I think I'm gonna be hanging out at the beach. Summer's winding down. Like I want to get some rays. It is winding down. So yeah, yeah. You'll find me at the beach, just west coast in it for life. All right. So remember to dream, try, and use SPF thirty. Oh, <laughs> Siege melanin, bro. Uh, still use it. I have so many friends who are like, you don't need it. It's like you do. The sun, like melanin is good for some things, but you still can get sun cancer. Oh, wow. So, yeah, see? The more I you always know. thought melanin saved me. It was, no. like, my natural... <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, like, it helps. You are less likely, but you still get burned. I get sun poisoning all the time. Really? I've never had a sunburn. Yep, the more you know. Oh, well. Star! All right. <laughs> Later, Later, bro! bro.